It's Zoe Time. Welcome to Zoe Time Show presented by HoopsandBrews.com. I will be your host for the day, Daniel Belts, and well like your fans, we are finally one-third of the way into the NBA season, and for being 33% of the way done with the regular season, I am surprised we were able to rebound so quick and become the, it seems like, great team that we already are, right? It's We started off terrible. We were, what, 0-2, 0-3 to begin the season, and, I mean, it just looked... It looked terrible to start the season, and here we are, one-third of the way into a NBA season. I can't believe it's we've already played 27 games. That in itself is just insane, because it seemed like the entire summer lasted way too long, and now we're about to be two months into the regular season. We've already played 27 games, and we're 17-10. and 10. Like, we are 17-10. and fucking 10. This has... Uh, this has been a long time coming for the people that actually stayed loyal to LA, that actually remained at Laker fans, that didn't switch. And for the listeners out there that are the LeBron stands just joining us as Laker fans, this probably isn't for you because you guys are accustomed to watching LeBron in the playoffs and being seven games above 500, but it's been a while for us. For the people that actually are Laker fans, that will be Laker fans, after LeBron leaves, that will be Laker fans 50 years from now. This is for us. This is this is insane that we've put together this stretch of great basketball. We're 15 and five in our last 20 games. We're 13 and four since Tyson Chandler was acquired. Like this is monumental shit out here. This is the beginning of the eventual greatness that this team is gonna accomplish in the next two, three, four, five years, which is title number 17 this is the beginning this is the process that's been started we are like it's cool shit that we're 17 and 10 like i don't understand i don't think people understand the importance of that and if you look at our record compared with the first year of lebron in miami and the first year of lebron in cleveland when he went back like we're pretty much on the same pace as they are so for all those knuckleheads out there and bitch-ass motherfuckers that said that the Lakers don't even have a George Hill, they don't even have a Kevin Love, they don't have a J.R. Smith, they don't have a Dwayne Wade, they don't have a uh, Chris Bosh. Suck my dick. We're 17-10. and 10. We are on that exact same pace. And we might, not meet, we might not reach the finals, but it's a lot different and it's a lot more difficult to reach the finals in the West. And, like, I'm not throwing any shade, but... The majority of the NBA championships have come from the West, so the West is a lot more tough than the East. So let's not just solely face or um, base our results on if the Lakers make the finals or not. Because what if the Lakers face a team that ends up winning the championship? That would have just been like if LeBron made the championship in the East and lost to that team. It's eerily similar in how that happens. Basically, if we lose to the Warriors, is what I'm getting at, and. Yeah, like we're honestly 17 and 10. That's a what, 63% win percentage so far in the NBA. And it's come in a like variety of ways that I did not see happening. Um, I, for whatever reason, thought we were going to start 11 and 2 or 11 and 3. And that was preposterous. A LeBron led team never starts off that great. It normally takes a little bit of time to develop. And then we dealt with injuries on the squad as well, as well as some suspensions. So it's just very very cool that the Lakers are in the playoff race again we're a game back from the number one seed which if we're in the top four come April we'd have a home playoff series and we haven't had that in forever we haven't had winning basketball in forever we haven't had a playoff team since 2013 so this is just an awesome time for those that stayed and like you see this a lot in other other sports with other franchises like teams or uh, fans leave once a certain team doesn't make the playoffs for a certain number of years and it's sad it's sad that you can't stay loyal to a team it's honestly kind of pathetic that you go from one team to another if you actually want to be a team fan i i kind of understand player fans not really but i get it like i get you just want to watch one player and you will go where he goes like i can get that way more than people that just switch teams for the fuck of it just because they're tired of seeing their team losing Especially to those Laker fans that saw 
let's see, if you were born in the 90s, you saw the Kobe and Shaq championships, the Kobe and Powell championships. If you were born earlier, you saw Magic. So it's like the Lakers have been for the most of your actual life a championship winning team. I don't understand why you would just cut and leave unless you're going to the Warriors, who are hot right now. I don't understand where else you would go. It's just, it's pretty pathetic that people have decided to get off the Laker bandwagon when, if you keep up with what happens every decade, which the Lakers make a finals every decade at least, you would be stupid to go against the NBA franchise that shows you, hey, we're going to do whatever it takes to get back onto that mountain, and hey, the Lakers are very close to getting onto that mountain again, and it's just exciting times to be a Los Angeles Laker fan. This might be a very funny episode because I do not give a damn about the motherfuckers that shit on this team, and there's a lot of you guys. Um, for whatever reason, people decided to be very bold this summer and take a lot of, um, they took a lot of shots at the Los Angeles Laker fan base before LeBron signed, and even after LeBron signed. Um, for all those Laker fans that listen, you probably already know who these people are. I'm not going to, like, mention any names. I'm just going to mention their terrible, terrible takes, uh. We saw the one where the Lakers aren't even a 500 team on paper. Um, we saw a Blazer fan say, don't be surprised if the Lakers miss the playoffs. We saw a Cav fan that said the Lakers don't even have a George Hill. Um, we've seen that HP dude just shit on the Lakers whenever he can. We've seen other fan bases question the talent of our young core. And yeah, for whatever reason, like this, this, this summer was weird. And, like, I really do not understand why um, people decided to bet against LeBron and the Los Angeles Lakers. We won 35 games last year without him. If we didn't go through some injuries, we could have been a borderline eighth seed. And this is without LeBron. Then you add one of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball, and all these nerdy-ass-looking motherfuckers want to get some likes and retweets, so the easiest way to do that on NBA Twitter is to shit on the Lakers, so I get your brand. But when you're proven long, or when you're proven wrong, when your takes obviously look like shit, you normally do one or two options. You either delete the tweet, or you block every single Laker fan that called you out, and you'll call it organized harassment, which is very just weird. Um... The attention-seeking nerdy whores out there that like to hate on the Los Angeles Lakers. There's a ton of people that like to do that. Like, all these guys are thirsty for retweets or likes. So the easiest way to do that, again, is to shit on the Los Angeles Lakers. So, when they get called out on it, there's also this third option where they just go on this spiel how Laker Nation is terrible. They do this, they do that. But your whole shtick this summer was to hate on this, which... My mother taught me at a very, very, very early age. Stay the fuck out of the kitchen if you can't take the heat. It's a very simple thing. If you talk shit, expect shit to be talked back to you when your incorrect opinion is shown to be incorrect. Which is what I thought NBA Twitter should be. I thought we were all adults about this. We like to make jokes. But we can at least admit when we're wrong. I've been wrong on a ton of things. For instance, I didn't think the Thunder would be this good this early in the season. I was wrong on that. Um, let's see. I was also wrong about the Clippers being terrible. They look very good so far this season. If you want to call me out on those takes that I had in August, go for it. Yes, wrong. I don't give a goddamn what you think. Because, again, it's just an opinion... I was talking shit. You can talk shit back. That's how it goes. For those people that take it way too personal and get offended, this shit isn't for you. And I don't understand how you have a platform. Because if you have that thin of skin, things aren't probably going to work out that well for you. And if they are, I'm surprised that they've lasted this well for this long. Because People are very good at shit-talking, and people are very good at finding your horrendous and terrible takes. So I'm just surprised people have lasted this long in this kind of culture, because it's so damn easy to find this shit. And for what it's worth, some Laker hater people handle it very well. They even make fun of their own shit, which is what you're supposed to do. But some people get all 
sad and like start saying this isn't fun anymore well motherfucker don't tweet stupid shit that's simple as that and you know the lakers are having the biggest fan base we're gonna find your shit we're gonna make fun of you and all you have to do is say my bad or i was wrong yet you guys doubled down and that's the funniest part even when you get caught you try to dig your way out of it even more and it's just fucking hilarious and yeah and it's normally the people that talk shit that haven't won anything like blazer fans like nugget fans like thunder fans like clipper fans it's these you don't ever see like these celtic fans getting that upset because you know what they've won shit you don't see bulls fans getting upset when lakers talk shit because guess what they've won shit same with the spurs same with the warriors this shit happens title winning teams talk shit to title winning teams don't get upset when a title winning team talks shit to your poverty fucking franchise just because you are a fan of the poverty franchise you don't need to get all upset and hit the block button because your shit takes were wrong. And then there was also some Suns fans that said the Lakers were, or the Suns were going to be in the playoffs and Lakers weren't, and Suns young core, blah, 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 blah. I realized I am blocked by a couple of Suns fans that I've never even tweeted at. Like, there has been no interaction between he and I. And this goes for a couple of people. And I'm just like, huh. I wonder what the hell I said. And... I probably said the Suns look like a JV team. I feel sorry for whoever the Suns fans are. Um, and that's probably as far as it goes. Because there's really not much to say to a Suns fan that doesn't already know what his team is or has been for the past 30, 40 years. Which is dog shit, but whatever. Enough about those fans. Enough about people being soft as hell and not really being able to give... No, no, no. They can give, but they can't take, and I'm tired of people like that. Only talk shit if you can handle it when it comes back to you, and that's all the amount of energy I'll spend on those unnecessary people on NBA Twitter. Let's just talk about the fact that we are 17-10. and 10. This is the first time since April 2013 that the Lakers are seven games above 500. We were eight games above 500 when the season ended. We were 45-37. and 37. I expect us to reach that very soon where we're above eight games, and I expect us to keep the record to keep climbing because everything so far looks like it's sustainable. We are a top five defensive team since Tyson Chandler has been in Los Angeles, and I mean, obviously, he's not going anywhere. Let's hope he stays healthy. He's playing around 20-ish minutes a game, which for a 36-year-old is all right, Um but yeah, nothing with this team surprises me anymore. Uh, a lot of the things that have happened to this team would have derailed us last year, and this is something I talked about on Twitter. If you haven't done so already, make sure you follow me at Zotime Podcast, as well as following Hoops and Brews. Hit us up with whatever comments or questions you have about Lakers basketball or NBA basketball. Uh, Pavi and TPJ are always knowledgeable. They always watch the games. They understand what they're watching, and they are able to speak on it correctly. So... Give them a follow, flood them with questions, uh, get your merch at hoopsandbrews.com in the merch section, and yeah, they're just, they're a very dope brand that's going to be going on to their, uh, just trying to further their brand on YouTube, so make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel as well, as well as comment on all the videos where you see fit. Uh, they talk a lot about the Los Angeles Lakers because Pavi is a huge LeBron fan, and TPJ, I think he, or he's a huge Lonzo fan, so they are very heavily interested in what the Lakers do this season, so make sure you go ahead and check him out on YouTube, comment, subscribe, like all their shit, and let's just keep this brand going in the, in the correct direction that it should be going. And like I said, nothing surprises me anymore. The Lakers can play shitty. Like, they can play terrible basketball and still come through in the end. That's what it's like to have a LeBron James type player on your team. We saw this with Kobe Bryant where we would be flat for the first three and a half quarters and then the last six minutes we pull our head out of our asses and win. That's what it's like to have a LeBron James type player on this team. And that's why we were so hard to deal with over the summer because, hey, we got a top five, top three, top one player of all time. Our young kids can develop at their own pace while we still win games with LeBron James. 
this development of the young kids is going to come through clutch in the second half of the season as well as the playoffs. So it's just cool that we can play below average and yet still win NBA games at a very high clip as well. And I know the media will only give credit to one guy. And I mean, yes, LeBron is a big reason why we're 17 and 10. And would we be 17 and 10 without him? Probably not. But we also wouldn't be a train wreck without him. We would have just ran with the team he had last year and probably would have been a above 500 team as well. But currently, we're 17 and 10. Not just because of LeBron, but because it's an entire team effort. Every single Laker is helping the team win games. And that wasn't the case last year. Last year, we had a couple of weak spots on the team that weren't addressed in free agency properly. Uh, Magic and Rob did whatever they could to scrap together a team that would be competitive in year one while also being heavily relied on the improvement of the young guys. And that's what they did. And we were able to win 35 games last year with that. This year, we actually have capable NBA players. And look what happens when you have capable NBA players that are on your starting team, on your starting roster, as well as your bench roster. We have depth this year. That's something we did not have last year. And I alluded to the um, injuries and suspensions earlier in this episode, and we would not have been able to handle that last year. If we were missing two players that missed, or two players that played 25 minutes per game missed seven games already and 16 games already into a 27-game stretch, last year our record would have been shit. This year, guess what? We are that lucky number 17 and 10. And if it weren't for the fucking Orlando Magic and the San Antonio Spurs, our record would be a lot better. Unfortunately, we just had no answer for those two teams that probably won't be around come playoff time. So it's going to be very bad that we have a combined five losses to those two teams, but it is what it is. We've beaten some very good teams as well that maybe we should not have beaten when we beat them, but it is what it is. And I'm talking about Credit is due to everybody on this roster. That's all the way from LeBron, all the way down to Michael Beasley, uh, Mo Wagner, uh, Zubak, all of them. Every single player on this team deserves some love for the effort and for the team chemistry, for the results that have happened on this NBA season so far. And yeah, like I haven't felt this good about a team since Kobe and Powell were still. LA Lakers. Powell's still playing in the league while Kobe's retired and enjoying his retirement producing and Kobe's producing everything. From short stories to films to books to whatever you fucking name it. He's putting out content. That's a lot of good content as well. And he's also helping his daughter become the basketball player that she wants to be and yada yada yada. So it's just cool to see Kobe still doing things. Powell still doing things. And why Laker fans reminisce over Kobe and Powell so much, as well as Lamar Odom, as well as Ron Artest, as well as maybe future Laker slash former Laker Trevor Ariza, is because once you win in L.A., and this is what Powell Gasol alluded to in that uh, Kevin Durant slash LeBron James article, is once you win in L.A., your legacy is cemented for life. We will build you up for many, 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 many years. And that's what's great about Laker Nation. We don't tear down players to boost up other players. We boost everyone up. If you went into a bar in Los Angeles and started talking about Ron Artest, you would see how many people just love that guy. If you went into a bar and talked about Lamar Odom's impact in the 2009 NBA Finals, you would see how many people want to talk about that. Same with Derek Fisher. Same with Sasha Vujicic. Same with DJ Benga. Like... All these guys that played on this team, same with Sasha, they are, they are in the Lakers history book as being world champions. And once you're in the Lakers history book, that's probably the most prestigious, most established, best record book to be in. Because we are the Los Angeles Lakers. We are title town. We are everything that is good in the world for NBA. And I might be talking out of my ass, but it is what it is. This is how exciting and happy I am that the Lakers are a basketball team that's winning games again. And before we get into the rest of the podcast, the rest of the episode, just be quick to announce, yes, this is 
being recorded before the Rockets and Lakers play tonight in about an hour. Um, I expect this to be a heavily, heavily, heavily watched game from the entire USA, maybe even the entire globe. Uh, this is a rematch of the fight night when Rajon Rondo and Brandon Ingram took turns hitting Ho P3, and it sucks that Brandon Ingram and Rajon Rondo will both miss these games due to injury. And let's speak on that for a bit for Brandon Ingram's injury. Lamarcus Aldridge, you should be suspended for as many games as Brandon Ingram misses because you are a piece of shit player that likes to not let players land on their own feet. You like to undercut them. You like to basically Zaza Pachulia them, which is strange because you were on the court when Zaza did that to Kawhi. So it's just funny that you do the same thing as well and you were crying wolf after that happened to Kawhi. So, again, if you can't take the heat, get the fuck out of the kitchen. LaMarcus, stop being a bitch-ass motherfucker. Because I'm tired of seeing players get hurt because of a dickhead move. And that's what you are. You are a dickhead who's doing dickhead shit. You are a seven-foot Jalen Rose. So stop with that shit. And... So Ingram and Rondo won't be facing CP3 and Harden tonight, which was the root of all evil in the first game when we lost, and I believe it was overtime when that whole thing happened. And yeah, so we go for blood tonight. We go for the rematch. This is a game where I think LeBron kind of, yes, he's been establishing himself more in the Lakers offense. He's been taking control more of possession. He's been doing all of this. But this is the game where I think he kind of gets his MVP campaign going. I think he drops 50, 10, and 10. I see a 50-point triple-double in him tonight. I might be wrong, but I just have this feeling. Like I normally don't have these feelings going into games where it's a good feeling. I'm a pessimistic Laker fan because the past five years made me sad. But before that shit, I was expecting Laker titles every year. LeBron's starting to give me that effect that Kobe had when he was here that we were going to always win. And I believe LeBron's going to make a statement tonight. I believe Lonzo might actually shoot well on the road. He's had his road struggles this year, but I just have a really good feeling about this game, and I really don't want to be let down. So it is what it is. Um, so yeah, Lakers-Rockets tonight on TNT, I believe, at 5 o'clock West Coast time. Uh... By the time you guys hear this, it'll already be tomorrow, so hopefully <laughs> the Lakers win. Hopefully I'm in a good mood tomorrow. If not, send me videos of Chris Paul getting rocked by Rajon Rondo. And it's time for the Wild Lakers hot take of the week, and I have three of them. If this current stretch of basketball keeps up, Lonzo Ball will make an all-defensive team. Kyle Kuzma will make the All-Star team, and LeBron James will win the MVP award. If you look at our stretch of play, we are 15-5 and five in our last 20 games. That is winning, what was it, 75% of your games? And that's a, if we keep that up, I believe that's 55 wins for the rest of the year. So, yeah, that'll probably be a top three seed in the West. And from not making the playoffs to going to a top three seed, there are going to be accolades that need to be happening for the Los Angeles Lakers. As mentioned, Lonzo will make the first team or first team or second team all defense. In the last five games, he's averaging three steals a game, which is fantastic. He plays the passing lanes very well. And what he also does very well is say a big gets it in the post, he will come down and swipe the ball out of his hands, which will lead to a fast break dunk. That's one, that's how he gets some of his baskets. If you've watched Lonzo Ball play this year, you'll see a lot of his baskets do not come in the half-court offense. It comes in transition. And that's one way for him to get his offensive game going, is getting that steal where he doubles down, swipes at the ball, and then it's loose. Someone throws it ahead to him while he's streaking dunk. That's how a lot of his points come. And that's just a great defensive play leading to your offense. So he's averaging three steals a game while holding the people he guards, like 1v1, to under 25% from the field. So, I get it. Lonzo can't shoot for shit, but his percentage is still higher than what he's guarding people. So, he's a positive on the floor. 
and the ratings show that. The plus-minus finally show that. The offensive rating slash defensive rating net finally show that. So all you motherfuckers that say, hey, the Lakers are better than with Lonzo off the court than on the court, suck my dick. And Lonzo finally seems healthy. Uh, a couple worrisome things about him is whenever he goes to the bench, he seems to be grasping his left knee, and that's a little bit troublesome, but maybe it's just a habit. And uh, Throughout the whole year, though, Lonzo is averaging opposing point guards to 32.5% shooting all year. That's fantastic. And, I mean, the Los Angeles Lakers team is much better when he picks up 94 feet. And I will talk more about Lonzo later in the show, but... That's my hot take, that he'll make a defensive team because he can affect the game on defense more than almost any other point guard except for maybe like a Patrick Beverly, but I don't know if he'll get enough minutes. Deontay Murray's not healthy this year, so this might be a year where he gets it. And regarding Kyle Kuzma making the All-Star team, just watch the past five games. The past five games, Kyle Kuzma has not only looked like an all-star, but maybe a player that if he would have started this campaign at the beginning of the season, like the way he's playing now, he might even make an all-team. The difference in what he was in October to what he is in December is just awe-inspiring. And honestly, some of that credit should go to Luke Walton. And I know Laker fans like to shit on Luke Walton for his rotation in the beginning of the year, myself included. I talked a lot of shit about him being slow to adjustments, him being slow to rotational changes. But for the spots he's put Kuzma in in December slash late November has been perfect. It's where Kuzma's needed to play the entire time. He is a power forward who should be guarding players that like to run um, around screens on defense. That's what he should be doing. Because he has happy feet, what's one way to counteract that? Just make sure he's always moving. And that's how he's looked better on the defensive side while being a goddamn all-star on the offensive side of the ball. Currently, through the last five games, he's averaging 25 points, 8.2 rebounds, and 3.5 and assists. That is crazy for the Kyle Kuzma we saw last year, who was just a shoot, shoot, shoot guy. Now he's getting his teammates involved. He's keeping his head up. This is what Luke Walton, the coaching staff, told him. He's like, hey, make the extra pass. Knowing the amount of passers we have on this team... They'll just pass it right back to you in a better uh, spot for you to get your shot off. And that's what happens when you pass it back to Lonzo. He's just going to feed you right again. That's what happens when you pass it back to LeBron. He's just going to feed you where you need to be fed. And Kuzma's also great at coming off screens and finishing down low. Um, I've said this before on Twitter, and I've probably said it before on this podcast and um, early episodes. He reminds me a ton of Antoine Jameson's like, finishing ability around the rim. He has these weird just shots that he puts up around the rim that the angles look terrible, but it drops, and it drops at a very efficient rate, and that is a skill to have. Kyle Kuzma is just, you, I can't say enough about Kyle Kuzma, and I know Laker fans like to say, hey, Kuzma's only playing well because Ingram's out, and I would love for us Laker fans to stop pitting our young court against each other. They're all very talented. They all contribute in their own way to the team's success so just let them be stop making it be one or the other especially when Kuzma and Ingram played well together last year this can happen it just takes a little while for um, adjustments to be made like it took Kuzma probably what 18 games to get to this level um, and it took 18 games without stoppage as well like he played through it why Ingram might be struggling with finding spots on the court is played a couple games, got suspended. Played a couple games, got injured. Played a couple games, got injured again. So once he gets continuity, maybe he goes on that jump that Kyle Kuzma is doing as well. Or maybe one of them takes a Lamar Odom type role or Ginobili because for one of our young core four, one's going to have to be on the bench. And I don't know who that is. I know it's probably not Lonzo, and I know it's probably not Kuzma. Because of how well Kuzma's been playing right now, we are not 17-10 and 10 without his offensive hot streak that he's on. 
So it's going to be very interesting for what Luke's going to do because both all four players are deserving to start. All four players should get 25 plus minutes per night. So it's going to be difficult and this is where Luke Walton finally coming around on rotations, making adjustments is going to help. And again, Kyle Kuzma's averaging 25, 8.2 and 3.4 in his last 5 games while shooting 38.5% from 3 and above 50% from the field. He's playing like a goddamn all-star. And like I said, he's playing both sides. Um, there was that chase, it wasn't a chase down block, but normally I don't see Kyle Kuzma try to make this effort on, or in the post game on defense is uh, someone up, someone up, uh, someone went up for a layup and he pinned his shit against the backboard. And I hadn't seen Kyle Kuzma do that in 90 or 100 plus games in Los Angeles. So that was, that was new. And that shows an effort of him trying to get better on the defensive side because Luke Walton's made it clear, hey, if your shot's not falling, give an effort on defense and you're going to play. It just so happens that he is playing great defense while being able to make shots on offense. So he's a plus-plus on both sides. And he's a big reason where, 17-10, he's a big reason why we are where we are. Uh, his contract is a big reason why the Lakers will be able to afford all these max free agents next year because... We're getting an all-star caliber player while paying him $2 million per year, which he's vastly outpaying his contract, and that's pretty damn good management skills by the Los Angeles Lakers. We got him at pick 27, and we're going to have him on an affordable contract for a long time. So that's dope as hell to see. And the last hot take would be LeBron will win the MVP, and that'll trans... Um, That'll transition over into the King era in Staples. And yes, LeBron James is playing at an MVP level. And if the Lakers keep up this win pace, if he keeps up the level of play he's at, I would not be surprised if LeBron James is holding up the MVP trophy at the end of the year. Because he is 33, but he's still averaging 28-7-7. And that's pretty damn special for a NBA player to do so. Uh, we haven't seen that kind of production since 2013 from a certain player at that rate. And, like, again, Lakers, the Laker fan base, Laker franchise has been spoiled with nothing but great players. And, yeah, he's, LeBron James is as reliable to get those numbers like Drake is to drop hit records. It's, you can almost pencil in that he's going to get at least 25, 5, and 5 every night. Like, no matter what. In any game, if it's crazy. Like I, I'm not used to that. Some players have off nights, and LeBron rarely has an off night. Like last night, you saw Steph Curry get locked up by the Toronto Raptors, and you don't see LeBron get locked up like that. And I know my former Laker fans don't like to hear the Steph Curry slander, but if LeBron put up 10, 3, and 3, Jesus Christ, the timeline would just be insanity. But since it's Steph Curry, it's, eh, who cares? It's one game. But if that was LeBron, everyone from the entire NBA Twitter, regardless of your fan base, would just be shitting on LeBron because that's what the timeline, I guess, is for when LeBron loses. But when Steph Curry loses, he gets a pass or no one really notices it. It is what it is. Uh, when you're the best, you get critiqued as the best. And that's how you know you're the best. When all these... um requirements, all these things only matter to you. When people get passes for not meet, not reaching those, you get shat on for it. We saw this with Kobe where Paul Pierce didn't reach those levels certain years. Even LeBron didn't reach those certain levels in the years when Kobe was winning championships, but the minute Kobe lost that finals, everyone came crashing down. Um, Duncan wasn't even held to the same standard as Kobe, so the Laker franchise, Laker fan base, is used to having players that aren't held to the same standard as others. It goes Kobe, LeBron, Shaq, Kareem, Magic, Wilt, like Jerry, Elgin, all of those players. They're held to a certain standard, yet it is what it is. Like you understand when you wear a purple and gold jersey, or I guess what like very, very yellow now is what the new ones are. It you're held to a certain standard and that's why some free agents can't handle that. That's why they don't sign here, is they can't handle that level of scrutiny, which is why 
a LeBron James type player is able to come to LA, he can handle the scrutiny. It's, it is what it is. He's dealt with his, his entire life. Um, some of his other averages are 52% from the field, 37% from three, and only 69.9% from the free throw line. That is the only issue I have with LeBron. And that's what the only issue I have with this entire team is at some point, maybe it's during all-star break, we got to lock everyone up in the gym and just have them shoot free throws because it's, it's troublesome. I, I hate going to, I hate watching players get fouled. I'm like, oh, he's only making one of two. Lonzo, Lonzo gets fouled, one of two. LeBron gets fouled, one of two. Ingram, one of two. Kuzma, one of two. The only player, sorry, the only player I trust at the free throw line is a free throw god KCP, and that's it. Everyone else, I'm like, yeah, they're going one for two. When they make two in a row, I'm very shocked. When they miss both of them, I'm not surprised. So that's that's not something that should be happening as a Laker fan, but it is what it is. We can't really complain where we're 17 and 10, so cool. Um, and then that LeBron and Dwayne Wade matchup for the final time was sad. Like D. Wade was one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, outside of Kobe, he was probably my second favorite player. And... I can't believe two players drafted in the same draft class. One looks like D. Wade, while the other one looks like an MVP with LeBron. Um, it's crazy how fast your peak can come and go. And that's what happened with Wade, whether it's due to injuries or the certain teams he was on. LeBron's still at the highlights or the high of his career. Well, it's over for Dwayne Wade. This is it. And for lifelong basketball fans, for people that pay attention to this shit, for people that live and die NBA... Our childhood, our early adulthood, or maybe even your adulthood is slowly fading. Kobe's retired, KG retired, AI's retired, Duncan retired, Wade's retiring, and so is Dirk. Um, after this year, the only players from your youth are going to be Vince Carter, who is a shell of himself in Atlanta, but he can still dunk the ball, and LeBron. So it's just it's crazy that these players are retiring or gone while LeBron is still the best in the league, while many of his peers are saying adios. Wildest thing is Luke Walton was drafted in the same draft class as LeBron James, and Le Luke's coaching the team. Meanwhile, LeBron is the probably biggest reason why we are 17-10, and 10, and a lot of other people like to point out that the Lakers have had an easy schedule, and I say, fuck you. We have one of the, becker, the better records against 500 and above teams, so suck my dick. The Lakers beat whoever is in front of them. We struggle against the Magic and Spurs. Everyone else, we can beat. It's totally cool. Um, the only team I fear in the West is the Golden State Warriors. And probably the only team I fear in the East is the Toronto Raptors. Other than that, I think in a series, LeBron has the upper hand. And that's just what I've seen from his history with taking less than talented teams to the NBA Finals like last year's Cavs. And I do believe the 2018-2019 Los Angeles Lakers are a deeper team than the 2017-18 Cavs. You're kind of seeing why. Um, the Lakers weren't this bad last year as the Cavs are this year. So, I mean, I don't want to say I told you so because things can obviously change. But, hey, maybe the Lakers do actually have some talent. Maybe you guys had your head up your ass. Crazy, huh? And... Also, with LeBron, what I want to see from him more is in that final stretch, he actually took it to heart to guard D-Wade. So he took it to heart to guard the guy that's going to get the ball in the fourth quarter when it matters. I would love to see LeBron play some defense on Harden tonight because we are short on defense tonight. We don't have Ingram who can affect Harden. We don't have Chris Paul who can affect CP3. So we don't have... I said Ronda, right? Sometimes my mind just blanks out, but... Yeah, I want to see more of LeBron locking player up because we have shown we have some players that can take that offensive load off of you. So that's something I just want to see. Um, we'll see if it happens. Maybe it'll happen just in the playoff time. But I would love to see you play more like you did against Dwayne Wade. That was, that shit was cool. It seemed like that almost seemed like a playoff environment for you. You made sure your team wasn't going to lose that game. And it was very important to you. You played great defense. You played great offense. You were a huge reason why we won that game. And finally, the last thing I'll be talking about LeBron is 
just crazy how LeBron doesn't get the beneficiary of the whistles that certain other all-stars do, like Kevin Durant, like James Harden, like Steph Curry, like everyone else. Even like when we play teams, like I saw Terrence Ross get a fuck ton of free throws against us for whatever reason. It's weird. And it's weird since LeBron drives almost... He probably drives the most per game in the West besides James Harden and maybe Kevin Durant. And he probably like the ratio from drives to free throws is probably very severely less than what James Harden and Kevin Durant gets. And I don't know why. Um, a lot of LeBron fans said this has, this has been happening. But I think it's the fact that you're also wearing a Los Angeles Laker jersey that this continues to happen. And... Hopefully we start getting the benefit of some calls because we could surely use it. That's maybe why our uh, rating plus minus at the end of the game is so low. Like we are only winning games by two, like an average of 2.2. And that's a little low for a 17 and 10 team. But hey, it doesn't matter how it happens. It doesn't have to be pretty. Give me 17 ugly wins over 10 beautiful losses. And honestly, LeBron is a huge reason why we turned it around. It's not that hard to admit as a Laker fan that without LeBron, we're not 17-10. and 10. But we're also not a train wreck. So that's also what I want to make clear to other people as well who say, Man, I would love to see LeBron off this team. Motherfucker, just look at last year. Keep that same team. Keep them healthy. And you would see, hey, maybe they actually were... A good team and if we were able to sign some of this people we did this offseason like a Tyson and like a JaVale hey you would see man now it's time for the big shit and little shit portion of this podcast and little shit's gonna be very 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 short since there's not much to complain about we are winning a lot more games as of late than we're losing and the only thing I can complain about is a Spurs game for whatever reason they had our number this year, and it sucks that probably the player that would have impacted the Spurs game the most outside of LeBron, which is Brandon Ingram, only played a total of five minutes in those four games. Uh, three of them he was out for, and that fourth one where he played five minutes, he hurt himself. So, fuck you, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, I don't know if the Spurs will make the playoffs. Um, it's too early in the season to tell since the West is an absolute dogfight. But that... Um, they won 3-1 against us this year, so that um, head-to-head record might cost us during playoff time, but I don't see them being a top-four seed, so I doubt it. Um, yeah, just fuck the Spurs, man. Like, fuck Popovich, fuck, La- fuck LaMarcus, and that's honestly really it for the little shit stopping portion besides Lonzo's road shooting and Josh Hart not getting a single call. Like... And I mentioned LeBron not getting any calls when he drives. It seems like Josh Hart gets hammered every single time he goes up for a transition layup, but he doesn't get the call. Luckily, Josh Hart is almost automatic in those, so it doesn't really matter. The extra point would come in handy. Um, I don't know if we would make that free throw or not, but it's just crazy to see other teams get that call, like a deer and fox, but Josh Hart doesn't. And Alonzo's road shooting has been terrible. Tonight's game is in Houston, so I'm not expecting him to shoot that well but if we can fix that that's all my complaints um and it's funny though because last year Lonzo was actually really good shooting on the road and he was just terrible at home so it's weird to see those kind of flip but with Lonzo everything is confusing so what's up is down and what is down is up and yada 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 uh big shit popping one game from the number one spot and like ludicrous we are coming for that number one spot and I can't wait for the day, even if we only have it for a day, because I assume the Warriors are going to go on this insane run to finish the season. But for that day when the Lakers do hold the number one spot in the Western Conference, I, I'm sorry for all you guys that like to talk shit on the Lakers. Uh, yeah, we are going to be very hard to deal with that night. We're probably going to get blocked by a ton of you guys that have soft skin. And it's just going to be insanity. You saw how happy we were when we got LeBron. You see how happy we are now. If that motherfucker, if that record says number one next to it in the West, oh, sweet Jesus, you guys just better stay off the 
Twitter, Twitterverse, Reddit, Instagram, whatever you guys follow basketball on, just stay off of it because all you're going to see is Laker fans celebrating, talking shit, making jokes, and it's going to be glorious. This is what I grew up with. I grew up in elementary school celebrating the first three-peat. I went through high school watching my team go back-to-back -back with Kobe and Powell. I am used to being the one talking shit. Luckily, I don't mind if you talk shit back to me. So it is what it is. And that's one of my favorite sayings now with uh, following this Laker team is try and be happy-go-lucky. It is what it is. And just prepare for the next game. And I just want to give a huge shout-out to the whole entire team. Josh Hart for his three-point shooting and transition baskets. Kuzma for his all-around play. Lonzo for his all-around play. LeBron for his all-around play. JaVale for blocking shots and finishing dunks. Tyson for being the defensive anchor that we needed. Michael Beasley for stepping up in that, what, Suns game and providing 14 points. Lance for just doing whatever it is that you do. He has a couple of really good moments, and he has a couple of terrible moments, and that's the whole Lance Siemens in effect. Zvi for being more confident and shooting the ball. KCP for knocking down free throws and playing good defense and knocking down important three-pointers at times. And Luke Walton for just being criticized by all of us, by the media as well, and for just continuing to coach, continuing to improve this team. You take a lot of heat, and it seems like you can handle it, and that's great. You don't let the outside shit affect you. You have a great grasp of the team, and it's just dope to see that Luke can handle this. I think that he learned a lot under Phil Jackson while Luke was still playing, and I think that kind of prepared him for dealing with drama. Like, he dealt with... Um, he dealt with Carl Malone, Gary Payton, and Shaq his rookie year. He dealt with Kobe. Like the entire most of Luke's career, he dealt with Kobe. He knows what a player like Kobe demands. And now he gets to kind of understand that with LeBron. So he just is able to cater to players and cater to certain things. And that's the benefits of having Luke Walton as your coach. He might not be the greatest X's and O guy, but when the shit hits the fan, he's very good at being there for everyone. Now let's just address some of the trade rumors right now. Um, recently we heard this week that there might be a KCP for Trevor Ariza trade brewing. Um, I would love to see Kevin, or no, no, not Kevin, uh, Trevor Ariza back in LA. He was a huge fan favorite in 08 and 09, and would be cool to welcome him back, but... Like, losing KCP is going to suck. If there's any way that we can trade for Ariza while keeping the young core and KCP, I think a bench unit of KCP and Ariza would be great defensively. And there are ways. we got to include, like, four players to trade to get Ariza to match salary-wise. Um, I don't know if that will happen, though, because I don't know what the team would want to keep. But would love to see both KCP and Ariza be the two and three or three and four on this bench unit, but we'll see. Um, there's also Terrence Ross and Wayne Ellington rumors circling around the internet as well. Um, I think that's more of Magic and Rob just letting the Suns know, hey, we don't need Ariza, but we want him. We could go get Trevor Ariza-type players from elsewhere to fill the needs that this team has. And then there's also the Anthony Davis trade rumors that seem to go off every night. Um, a lot of people think that AD, KD, and LeBron are all 100% for sure going to be Los Angeles Lakers next year, so we'll see. Like, There's just a ton of rumors going around this team, but let's not get wrapped up in those rumors because we are 17-10. and 10. The engines and the train is rolling the way that it's supposed to go, so fuck it. Like, let's keep rolling the dice. Let's make those decisions when those decisions need to be made. And I really don't think the Pelicans move on from AD, so... I don't know. I, I honestly trust Magic and Rob to do the correct thing 10 times out of 10. They've been on the money for almost every single move that they've made since they've been here. And even the ones that they got wrong, which Thomas Bryant and Zubak, it didn't really affect this team that much. So I don't see him playing over Tyson or JaVale, so who cares, honestly. 
And let's get into the player portions. And that's just, these are going to be like sped through because I didn't realize how much I talked in the earlier portions of this podcast. And that's Josh Hart is the glue guy. I think he's the piece that keeps everything together. And like, I don't know who's going to start when Ingram comes back. But I know whatever lineup Josh Hart is in, it's going to succeed because he's in all of the best lineups, and it seems that he has one of the biggest impacts on this team. If you just look at the advanced stats, the ratings, and if you do the eye test, he seems to always be on the court when we're going on a run. Whether that's because he plays good team defense, whether that's he plays unselfishly, whether it's he can make open shots and provide spacing for this team, whether it's he can finish down low with the best he could guard people down low i don't know it's just there's something about josh hart that when he's on the court it's normally good for the los angeles lakers and he is also under that cheap contract that kyle kuzma falls under where we have him for two more years after this for a little under two million dollars and that's what title hopeful teams need on their team is players that make less than $2 million per year to have this much of an impact. His stats aren't like jaw dropping. I think they're like nine, three and three or nine, three and one or something small like that. But him being able to stretch the floor with that three point shot helps LeBron drive. It helps Lonzo drive. If you watch the Miami heat game versus Lakers, you saw Lonzo being aggressive and drive and kick it out to Josh Hart for three. Like you saw that happen as well in the, what game was it the game before that where you hit like three threes it was what game was that all these wins just blend together because the entire team um contributes but there was a time where he hit two threes to i think it was was it the Cavs? it was some team like that where he hit two threes in the under five minutes that was a big reason why we won that game him being able to be a marksman from three is going to be very, very, very positive for us for the rest of his career. He is almost like a um, Bruce Bowen type player, but for like Laker history, he's more of Rick Fox, Robert Ory, Derek Fisher, all put into one. He has the build of a Derek Fisher. He can shoot threes like Robert Ory, and he's a low post defender like Rick Fox. So he's like a mixture of all three of those. Um, he seems to always make the right play. He's a big, big, big team guy. He doesn't care if it's his number called or if it's someone else's. Uh, He sets screens for other players. He's a low-maintenance, championship-experienced player, and that's very good to see. Um, But yeah, like I said, I don't don't know who's going to start when Brandon Ingram comes back. And one thing I can tell with every single player on this team is they bought into the team-first atmosphere that Luke Walton was trying to get everyone to buy into. That's why you hear when Kuzma speaks... Um, Lonzo speaks, Hart speaks, Ingram speaks, Rondo speaks, Beasley, all these players, they just want the team to come first. Um, that's why Tyson probably isn't making any noise right now because Tyson should start over JaVale just based off of impact and how well the team does with Tyson on the court instead of JaVale, but Tyson doesn't mind being the backup. Like We have all these team first guys that just want to help us win, so it's very easy to play with rotations and experiment with things when all these players care about is getting a win at the end of the day. And that's dope to see, and that's dope to be a fan of a team that has that. Because you could be a fan of the Washington Wizards, whether I only care about I, and that's a shitstorm right now. It's evident why they're below 500. It's evident why their team is shitty. Uh, Their team makeup is atrocious. They have a whole bunch of me-first players that just don't don't mesh well together there's a lot of in-house fighting there's a lot of team drama around that and then you just can contrast that with the lakers where it's everyone just wants to help instead of tear down and that's great i trust josh i trust josh hart probably the most out of the young court to step up in the playoffs just because josh hart has been there for a couple of final four runs with villanova and that championship game that uh he was able to win with the university of villanova so i trust him come playoff time to make shots when it matters, to play defense when it matters, to do all the little things correctly, which he does. Um, He understands uh, to pass the ball in transition as well, which is something that other players on the team struggle. Um, 
You don't need to attack and transition every single time. Sometimes it's best if you pull the ball out, and that's what he does. Like, he seems to make the correct play every single time, and yeah, that's why I trust Josh Hart as much as I do. And the last player portion of this podcast will be about Lonzo Ball, and he's very interesting to watch. Um, Half-court offense kind of non-existent. He... But even that isn't true because what he does in the half court is he sets a lot of screens for certain players. It seems like he's always moving. Um, And then he'll hit an open three every now and then. So it's just strange because he might not be... The stats might not be there in the half court, but things that don't count on the stat sheet, he'll do. Like set the screen. If you watch the Heat and Laker game, you'll see that there were three possessions in the final five minutes where he set a screen that we scored a possession on and that was because of his screen created a mismatch and it's the one in one three screen where Lonzo goes to screen the bronze man and that creates some space for LeBron to go to work or you'll see LeBron um, heavily run the offense in the half court set and then you'll see like Luke give Lonzo a he'll give Lonzo a turn for like one one set and then he'll get an assist. He's Lonzo's a very low maintenance player as well. But in the half court offense, he might struggle to put up points, but he is a net positive on this team. Um he can damn near do everything. Sorry about that. He can do everything on the basketball court yet he has trouble trouble doing the simplest shit. He can make a very complicated touch pass. He could finish a contested alley-oop, but he can also miss a wide-open layup. Like, And I don't understand that. How can someone be so gifted at passing, so gifted at basketball IQ, so gifted at defense, miss wide-open layups? I'm shocked when that happens. And it's just strange that he can do all these things well, yet all you'll see videos of is him missing an open layup. Um, if you watched the Celtics games last night, you saw... Jason Tatum missed a wide-open layup. If you watched Anthony Davis, you saw him miss a wide-open layup. These things happen. Yet, since it's very, very fun to shit on Lonzo, that's all you'll see on Twitter is him missing the open layup. All these other plays get a pass. And that's strange. Uh, Lonzo is able to play very good with this team, even when his shooting is down. And his shooting is way down. Like, in the past couple games. Like, it's atrocious levels of shooting. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. He probably can't hit the side of a barn right now with the basketball, but he does everything else well. He's first or second team all defense right now. He can, when given the ball, assist the ball like a motherfucker. And he can hit a three every now and then. And he can set screens. He can do the high IQ plays to help his team win. And if you don't watch him, you would think he's a bust just looking at stats. But if you watch the film, you will also realize that most of our great basketball lineups are with him on the court. And, like, I do wish he got more touches. I do wish he had more confidence in himself to run the offense. But that'll come with time. And I wish more fans would do the same. That's why I don't normally judge other teams as players. Because I don't watch them enough to understand what the hell goes on. And if you looked at a player like Justice Winslow, his stats before the Laker game probably wasn't that great, but he was outstanding versus us. And if you only look at stats, you might not see that. But if you looked at his game, he was probably the second or third best player in that game. And for what I want from Lonzo is to be more aggressive. And if you just look at the third quarter versus the Miami Heat, even though he made a couple of dumbass plays, that's how aggressive I want him to be. He was flying around the court. He was attacking, um, throwing passes that maybe he shouldn't have, but it showed that he had confidence to do some of them. There were also some great finishes, like uh, the alley-oop LeBron threw him, the three-pointer that he hit from about 25 feet. So just continue to be aggressive. The results will come. Just play the basketball you know how to play. Trust the amount of work you've done in the offseason, and you're in this position for a reason. You are a lockdown point guard, so just continue to have confidence in what you bring to this team, and we'll continue to win basketball games. And to wrap it up, the Lakers are going to play the Houston Rockets in approximately 30 minutes. I am going to predict 
that the Lakers will beat the Los Angeles, that the Lakers will beat the Houston Rockets. We will improve to 18 and 10, and the internet will catch fire if that happens. Um, thanks for listening. That'll be it for this week's episode of Zotime. Make sure you follow along at Twitter at, at Zotime Podcast, as well as following on Hoops and Brews as well. And until the next time we speak, go Lakers. Well, well.